This episode of the Power Connect podcast is brought to you by Electrified Veronica with a K.com. I wanted to be respected by the Jeep community. When you go online, you see a couple of conversions, Jeep conversions. Most of the ones that I saw do not keep the original functions of the Jeep. For example, you know, a Jeep, it's off-roading, it's two-wheel, four-wheel selectable. And then there are some conversions where they would just turn it in a two-wheel front, two-wheel drive. And then, of course, the Jeep community blasts away against those guys. So we wanted to make a conversion that is respected by these traditional Jeep guys, and they would appreciate that. Welcome into the Power Connect Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Davis. Episode 39 of the show happening today. Back-to-back type of vibe, folks. That's because we had Don Wright, episode 38, and now we've got his wife, Dr. Veronica Wright, a.k.a. Electrified Veronica, as part of episode 39. First time we've ever done a back-to-back wife and husband duo. But when you've got the most electrified couple in the energy transition, well, that's the kind of concessions you make, ladies and gentlemen. We've got a great episode today, as we alluded to. Electrified Veronica, Dr. Veronica Wright. She is a social entrepreneur and battery expert. And again, if you listen to the Don Wright episode, if you haven't, definitely go check it out and it'll dovetail beautifully into the electrified Veronica or you can do it the other way around doesn't make a difference the message is still the same this is an absolutely phenomenal couple who through their own love of batteries electrification and all things physics engineering you name it all right came together and now here they are sharing this love for electrification, they're taking this 99 Jeep Wrangler and turning it into an EV. So we're obviously going to get into that with Dr. Veronica Wright. But before we do that, as always, don't forget, like the podcast on Apple, on Spotify, give us a follow, connect with us on LinkedIn, Fred Davis, and the Power Connect page. And then, of course, if you want to reach out to us, if you want to become a podcast partner, if you want to join the show fred at thepowerconnect.net we've got a lot of good things happening in the space right now and certainly on the show as well we've got episode 40 with mr robert jensen's right around the corner and then of course episode number 50 is going to be here before you know it we've got something special planned for you so we look forward to sharing that with you here in the very near future but in the meantime leave a five-star rating if you listen to us on apple Podcasts, helps with the algorithm and all that jazz and then of course uh, like i said if you got any questions feel free to reach out we'll get back to you Thank you so much, though, for being a part of the podcast. All right, let's get right down to today's episode. Dr. Veronica Wright, a.k.a. Electrified Veronica. Again, the big thing she's got going on right now, her and Don, they're working on this 99 Jeep Wrangler EV conversion. And, of course, how did this all come about? Why a 99 Jeep Wrangler? Well, she's a Gilmore Girls fan. How did she become a Gilmore Girls fan growing up in Austria? All right, we'll let her explain that to you. Uh, We'll also find out about how she got her start in the corporate world and then with that love of batteries and decided, you know, she wanted to do more with it. So she decided she was going to start her own thing, wrote a book, The Drive to Electric. But more importantly, how she was able to overcome entrepreneurial fears of starting her own business. I know a lot of folks out there, it's that fear that keeps them from jumping out and doing their own thing. Veronica tackles that. It's a great story on why she did it. And of course, you know, being an Austrian immigrant here in the United States, expanding her brand. Sound familiar? 
Well, she's done exactly that, and of course, we're going to hear about all that from her as well. And then, of course, how did she get the Electrified Veronica moniker? And more importantly, how did her and Don meet? Okay, great story. I'll tell you what, it's a labor of love, it's a labor of passion, and it's a labor of just overcoming the odds. And it's a fantastic story on so many levels. I can't thank Don and Veronica enough for sharing their story with me. And again, for anybody that's ever listened to the show, you know I'm an Arnold nerd. So of course, we had to ask Veronica, who grew up 20 minutes away from Arnold, obviously not at the same time, but had to ask a few Arnold questions. I would be remiss if I didn't. So without further ado, please welcome to the program, Dr. Veronica Wright. Yeah, so as you mentioned already, I grew up in Austria, uh, went to school there, and had a really great physics teacher, and originally started out studying technical mathematics, because, okay, I was thinking I was interested in mathematics, physics, but that was kind of too dry, and then I switched over to physics, and really enjoyed it because there is not many people that do that. And I love challenges. So I thought, okay, let's do this. It was a challenge, but the longer you do it, the more you get into it. And I really enjoyed it. I, at that time, did lots of simulation work. So actually on the very, very small scale, like atomic and molecular level, quantum mechanical simulations and things like that, which was super exciting and amazing. And I did lots of research there, but it was nothing that you can really touch. There was no product behind it. And when you want to talk to people about what you're doing, then it was missing this connection to people, you know? And I thought, okay, that's that's interesting, but I want to find something where, where I can talk to people about it, make them excited about it, and share everything. So I decided to leave university and then started um, my first job in the corporate world. And this was a company in Austria called AVL in the automotive area. So I was not necessarily interested in cars or automotive industry at all, but I was interested in the physics and the technology that is behind it. And I started in the battery team and at the beginning, I didn't know what I got myself into. I just started out and I was learning about it, but then I realized batteries, so lithium-ion batteries for electric cars and also all of uh, electronics and all things, there are still many things we don't understand about them. You might think, okay, they're industrialized, we use them every day, but there is many things that are still not understood and which I see as an opportunity. So just the example of why do batteries age? You know, we all know batteries kind of lose capacity over time. Is it your iPhone battery? that at some point uh, you have to charge it more and more and more. And like the time you can use it on one charge kind of drops. And the same for electric car batteries. They also lose charge over time. So I was just very intrigued by understanding what's really going on on the physical level, electrochemistry, and trying to see how I could help there. Tell us a little bit, Dan, about when you decided to go on this entrepreneurial path. Because again, and, and and I appreciate the fact that you know you went to the corporate world first and kind of got your your you know your feet wet and kind of figured out okay this is the path I want to take. But as we know, not everybody's meant to be an entrepreneur. 
what was kind of that thought process for? And then, of course, I'm I'm, I'm guessing uh, you know Donnie was involved in this some way, or were you electrified, Veronica, before you and Don uh, you know met on that one fateful night? So first thing, the name Electrified Veronica, I actually got this name from a colleague of mine when I worked in the corporate world. So we were at a customer visiting in Japan and he introduced me as, and this is Electrified Veronica. She knows everything about batteries. And I thought, oh, cool. Well, that's a great name. Okay. Uh, But in general, for this entrepreneurial spirit, I didn't necessarily have that or did not necessarily understand what this is because also what I realized now living in the US, I grew up in Austria and in Europe, you don't grow up with this entrepreneurial spirit, I would say. And it's not really in the mindset of people. So only reflecting now, I can I can kind of I see I see that some somehow. So it's more like okay, you you go out there and you work for a certain common company, you have a very safe job, and that's basically it. But I was very very driven always, and at some point, I just realized that what I do, that people are not necessarily interested in what I do because I work for that specific company, but really in my person and what I have to say. So there was something in my head where I thought, well, that could actually work out also just doing it alone. And then, like you mentioned too, there were some other factors um, like changes in my private life and Don moving to the US because he got a really good job offer. And then I was thinking, okay, I really like my job with ADL, but, you know, what if I take that as a chance to just try something? So it's kind of a combination of many things. How long have you been in the U.S. now? Um, One and a half years now. So you come to the U.S. and as Don kind of uh, alluded to me the other day, you were a Gilmore Girls fan, uh, which is kind of what got the whole thing started. and, and, And God bless you. I'm not a big Gilmore Girls fan, not going to lie. I know of the show, obviously. Um, I mean, hell, you can't be, you know, in the U.S. and not know. I mean, Gilmore, Gilmore Girls were huge back in the day. And um, so, because I want to say they were, it was what, on the CW, if I'm not mistaken? But anyway, I digress. Did you always have that idea that you wanted to electrify a Jeep? How did, Tell us that story, because that, that's just, well. that may be as fascinating as anything we talk about today. Yeah, so in general, when you grow up in Austria or Europe, you watch a lot of American TV, right? And this is basically how you get to know America. You think, okay, what watch on TV? Well, this is basically how it works. And I had this specific show, Gilmore Girls, that I really enjoyed watching and just thinking, okay, this is how an American life looks like. That's kind of cool. I, I like it. Okay, well... So far, so good. And then we moved to the U.S. Then I became Electrified Veronica, being this consultant in the electric vehicle and battery space. I realized I am I am living in the Midwest, and I realized, oh, I need a car. Because, you know, growing up in Austria and in Europe, um, you don't necessarily need that. And I didn't ever own a car before. But I realized, okay, I need a car here. So, okay, what are the options? I mean, I want to represent Electrified Veronica. I can't drive a gas-powered car. That's just not possible. That was one thing. And then there was this moment where my husband and I were installing a trailer hitch on our car. And I was kind of laying underneath the car. And I thought, hey, that's kind of fun. 
you know, did that for a couple hours. And then I was thinking, hey, that's 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 fun. Don, can we convert a Jeep to electric? <laughs> and five minutes later, he said, well, yeah, sure, yes. And the next day, we posted on LinkedIn, which is a business platform that I use a lot to communicate. We posted, hey, does anybody have a Jeep? Uh, we want to convert that to electric. So really, it just happened like that. And and you wanted it to be because I guess that's what the car they drove around in in uh, in Gilmore Girls was it was it was a Jeep Cherokee. It's exactly that Jeep and the same year and the same color and yes. Have the Gilmore Girls folks reached out to you in any way, shape, or form since you started this? Not yet. Well, that's my plan to kind of reach them at some point. Let's get it done and then let's do it. I, I look. I am all for uh, promoting this in any way, shape, or form possible. So, like I said, and and, and again, hopefully after we do this conversation too, uh, maybe we can get Arnold on the show because I've been trying to get him on for years. So you decide you want to do the the EV uh, conversion. Walk us through that process of kind of how you drew it out, how you outlined it. Obviously, Don being the you know engineer guru that he is, and like I said, I, I mean I learned more about uh, EV engineering on on Wednesday when he and I chatted, and I've probably known since I started this whole thing two two years ago. Um, just I mean, yeah, I mean, and and, and I'm, I'll, I'll get to a couple questions about that. Take us through the process, the outline, the, okay, we make the initial reach out to, hey, let's go find this 99 Jeep, and then how that process has unfolded since. Yeah, so I think we're a very, very good team, first of all. We both have this industry background. We are working in that industry. Also, in the corporate world, we both were working for the same company. He would be on the battery testing side. I would be on the battery simulation and data side. So... That's that's a good start, I would say. Then we are very fast decision makers. So, you know, we don't talk much. I mean, yes, we do talk much, but we also, <laughs> there are some actions to follow. So we are just very fast with doing what we do. So first thing, of course, was kind of finding, finding the right car that is not too rusted, that is kind of in good shape. So that was, of course, the first milestone. And at the same time, we started seeing what others did. I mean, many people do that, right? When they want to start, they do some research. So, you know, we were talking to some other conversion companies, to people that did some conversions themselves. I found a really cool one in Austria that could convert the Pinzgauer trucks. So really huge off-road trucks, two electric with solar. Then here in locally in medicine, I found a guy that converted a DeLorean to all electric. Okay. So I just looked at those guys. We talked just to give us a little more confidence to start out. Okay, we think that's possible. And at the same time, from the very beginning, it was very important to me that I share everything. And we are not done yet. We're still in the middle of it, and we're learning every day. And as soon as I'm done with a certain portion of a project, I share it in a YouTube video. So it's really just learning while you do it. So last year, April, we had the idea. Last year, October, we got the Jeep from Nebraska and drove it home. And last year, New Year's Eve, we removed the engine. Okay. And now half a year later, I would say we're 60% done. And in two months, we are invited to the SEMA show, which is a huge automotive show where we should be done. So we're working 24-7 right now. So you guys are, are hustling, getting this thing done. And is it just you and Don working on it right now? 
It's mainly me and Don. We now started a collaboration with a local Jeep workshop. Okay. So I got a fabricator, you know, just to get this Jeep expertise sure. and also mounting stuff. So we can't do plasma cutting and things like that. Right, right. So- Body work, basically. Yes. And what I also did, since we were both working in the industry, you know, I, I started to reach out to all sorts of companies like that work in the industry and see if they can if they can give us feedback, if they can help. So there's actually some some companies in the industry involved in that that regularly give me feedback that help me with some simulation work, with some engineering work. But the main work, yeah, it's it's done and me. Which is, uh, I mean, talk about a love story. I mean, uh, you know, if we can get, uh, you know, if we can get Arnold and the Gilmore Girls to somehow collaborate on this, heads explode. So what has been the most exciting slash just awesome part of this project thus far? Uh, outside of, you know, you and your husband getting to spend so much quality time together and not killing each other, uh, which that may, hell, you guys might want to start a whole marriage counseling session uh, for folks after this whole thing's done. Who knew EV conversions could save people's marriages? Not to say you guys had a problem with one, but hey, could help other folks down the line. Two, what's been the most challenging aspect? Yeah, so first of all, I have to say it's really, really a unique thing that my husband and I share this passion. I don't think that happens very often. So I'm very thankful for that. <laughs> and like I said, we're, we're really a good team because we're complementary. Don is also somebody that, you know, he does things immediately. He doesn't, he thinks a lot, but you know, he's more like, okay, let's do it. I do it now. I'm like, okay, wait a second. Let's think about it. What if we do this? Do you think this is a smart idea? You know, so we have lots of conversations like that where he is like, okay, hundred percent do it. And I'm like, well, what if we just think a little longer? So that's, that's good. Um, we are very, very good at working together challenges. In the beginning, I was really surprised how easy that is. You know, I never worked on cars before. Don did work on cars before, but not too much. But, you know, just removing all that stuff and doing that mechanical work, I was kind of surprised how easy that was. It was amazing when we took out the engine. That was a great moment. And, but, but there is not like a huge obstacle that we ran into yet. I do see some personal challenges right now, you know, with understanding vehicle control, setting up the all the wiring harnesses, the CAN communication, because I just don't have that background. But it's not an obstacle. We're finding stuff online. We're talking to the companies that provide us the battery management system, the vehicle controls unit. So it takes time, but I wouldn't say there is this huge challenge or obstacle. What have you guys learned about each other through this process? <laughs> well, I really learned from Don to just get into this let's do it mode very much faster than I did before. Because I am used to working on highly, highly, highly complex topics. You know, when I was studying physics, solving like the most puzzling equations, and I'm used to that everything is super complicated and okay, I have to sit down like for three days first to understand everything and then I can start. And what I really learned from working with Don so far is that I can do more things like quicker and just do it. And if I fail and, you know, some some things don't work, okay, we'll find another solution. But changing from this 
only thinking to really doing it, failing, trying again. So I really appreciate that. Um, the one thing about an EV conversion, I imagine it can't be cheap. Um, how has been securing the parts, securing all the necessary items to make this conversion been? And when it's all said and done, the one thing we always know about when it comes to EVs or one of the knocks against it so far has been the fact that, you know, they are more expensive right now than regular cars. What's this going to set you back when it's all said and done when you guys get done with this conversion? Yeah, so the cost for the project so far is not representative for the cost that somebody else would have doing this conversion because there is so much learnings along the way right now. And I have extra investments in under trying to understand what really the best option for other people is also. And I'm investing a lot into looking into different options and simulation and all these things or scanning the whole Jeep that other other do-it-yourself or hobby people, they just wouldn't do this. So the cost is very high right now. Um, we are right now reusing batteries from scrapped cars that brings down the cost for other people a lot but we're for example we bought a new electric motor a new inverter and lots of other new components but we already think of more conversions so we have two more jeeps coming up in a very 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 soon where we are actually reusing even more components from scrapped evs because you won't believe it but there is actually lots of evs salvaged evs already people that are have accidents with evs and there is many components in those electric cars that you can reuse when you convert your dream car to electric so many, many times the electric motor is so good, the charge receptacle, many, many components. So right now it's all about for me and also to help others do the same, building up the supply chain of components. What kind of time savings are you going to have now that you've gotten this initial load of learning and figuring out the supply chain and figuring out what works and reaching out to folks that, okay, I can go to a salvage yard that has EVs already. How much time do you think you'll save these next two times around? Huge, huge, huge time savings. Like you said, so we did this for the first time ever. And when you do something for the first time, it just takes forever. And we have to learn everything, every little detail. And so, you know, when we do the next one, we know exactly almost what we need to do. Although we will not completely replicate the first one that we did because we we found some we had some learnings where we for the next one would do some some different things but you know you could do that really in a, in a couple of weeks what kind of feedback have you gotten thus far <laughs> overwhelming feedback <laughs> when we started out it was supposed to be this little project that we just try it out right because it's kind of fun and why not drive around with an electric jeep but then there were so many people that were very, very excited for that project. And now I would say two months ago, it really started that I have four or five people every week reaching out per email or other platforms saying, oh my gosh, I have a Jeep, blah, 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 XX this year, and I want to do the same. And this is why we actually take the next steps that we take. We realized, okay, there is interest. Other people want, really want to do that too. So what can we do to best help them to do that? 
And very, very important also was I wanted to be respected by the Jeep community. So when you go online, you see not a lot, but a couple of conversions, Jeep conversions, but most of the ones that I saw do not keep the original functions of the Jeep. For example, you know, a Jeep, it's off-roading, it's two-wheel, four-wheel selectable. And then there are some conversions where they would just turn it in a two-wheel front, front two-wheel drive. And then, of course, the Jeep community blasts away against those guys. So we wanted to make a conversion that is respected by these traditional Jeep guys, and they would appreciate that. All right, we'll start winding this down. Again, we you consult, uh, you know, you've developed this kind of this moniker now, which obviously is is perfect for what you're doing and, and dovetails beautifully. By the way, have you reached out to the guy that, that introduced you as Electrified Veronica? Does he know now that this is kind of your uh, this is kind of your alter ego? Yes. <laughs> good for him and good for you. What you again, two more months. You're going to take this thing to the uh, what, what the SEMA conference in a couple months. After you get done, you still got two more Jeeps you're going to work on. You said the timing that's going to be, be needed is going to be drastically different, which makes all the sense in the world. What's kind of the business model then? What are you thinking? And again, I, I'm sure there's all kinds of ideas in your head, but now that you're starting to build this brand um, around consulting, around now you're going to have EV conversions, you've chosen a Jeep, which is, again, one of the most ardent fan bases around what do you see as kind of the next steps after this thing goes to SEMA? And, and who knows what might happen after SEMA? Yes, who knows? Because it's everything is changing all the time. And, you know, you have to be open for what comes next. But, of course, I have a very, very big vision for what I want to achieve with Electrified Veronica in general. And then there is several paths and steps that I that I want and need to take to get there. So really the overall goal and vision is to create what I call, what we call a circularity center, which is kind of an innovation and technology center around batteries, electric vehicles, renewable energy with the focus on a circular economy. That also ties in a little bit with the book. So I think with everything that we do today with products in general, but especially electric cars, solar, renewable energy is we have to make sure that from the very beginning, we build this circular economy. And what is that? So unfortunately, many, many industries that we see today in our society follow a linear approach. You dig out some materials, you make a product, you use it, and once you don't use it anymore, you just want to get it away from you, and you don't want to think about it anymore, and it's gone, right? And there is not much focus, okay, what happens with this product once we don't use it anymore? And the same is true for batteries, and very, very important for batteries to make batteries and, and these new technologies the greenest version they can be is reusing and recycling them to get back those very, very valuable raw materials that we put into the product and use them for new batteries and new products to really create the circular economy, which is possible. But of course, uh, many, many entities are involved to make this happen. And so this is very, very important to me. And I want to address that with my business in the future. So that's a very long-term goal. Real quick, tell us about the book. The book, yeah, the book is called The Drive to Electric. That started immediately after I left the corporate world. 
I was in this struggle of having the confidence to start my own business around a technology that that many people have have um, bad feelings about it, or there are so much rumors about it, and everybody is very uncertain about this technology. And so I thought, well, I just want to talk to people and companies that represent those technologies and certain portions of it and kind of tell their story, explain their why. Why are they working on batteries? Why do they think that this will help our society in the future? What is their vision for our electrified future? So I, and I did this very on a very, very international level. So I got people in there from China, from Europe, from the US, and I started interviewing them. And all of them would be from different um, stages in the circular economy. You know, some of them would make batteries, some of them would integrate them into cars, some of them would reuse them for energy storage and solar, some of them would be responsible for electricity generation and kind of closing all those gaps and telling those stories. And so other people and our, our the public could read that and understand what is going on and listen from from listen to the experts. How did you and Don meet? That was uh, at our prior company at AVL. Okay. So we were both working there and it was so funny that um, we both worked in Graz. So Don lived in Austria for nine years and worked for this company. But then only two people were picked to go to the U.S. for a business trip. And that was me and him. And so we did this business trip together and we spent like a week together in the car driving in the Midwest. So funnily enough, right in the area where we're living today. And yeah, this is where it kind of started. What was y'all's first date? So that was a little bit special because it was COVID time. Okay. <laughs> and in COVID time, you know, you didn't have these traditional first dates. So we had a very, very fast transition to an almost married couple life. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Fair enough. And uh, hey, look, obviously it's worked, right? So let's get you out of here with this. And this is where Fred gets personal. So what... I got and I and Don kind of alluded to this a little bit uh, on on Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it was. I talked to him. You know, I've listened to Total Re. I've I've listened to Arnold's story, his his autobiography, three different times because uh, that's the kind of Arnold fanatic that I am. You know, how is he viewed back in Austria? That's a very good question. <laughs> so I view him as somebody that is not traditionally Austrian as somebody that realized, wow, actually everything is possible and I better do it. Yeah. You know, I love this um, speech that he did where he's talking about that there is only plan A. I think this is amazing that, you know, you focus your energy on your goal, on this certain goal that is plan A, and you shouldn't waste your time thinking about, oh my gosh, what if this doesn't work? And then there is plan B and plan C, which means you distract yourself from, from getting there. And for me, he's somebody that grew up, you know, in a very, very um, grounded environment or 
not very fancy, you know, in the countryside, and he didn't have much, and he was fighting. He was fighting to to get somewhere, and at some point, and he failed a lot, and lots of criticism also for his acting. We know that, right? And then for his how he talks, his yeah. accent, all that. You know, this is how how people in Austria kind of laugh about him. But I think he has a great personality. What is very unique and special about him, I think, is that he brings some Austrian mindset and tradition. You know water saving electricity saving i know that he represents that and this is how he raised his kids this is very austrian mindset he brings that to the u.s which i think is very unique so yeah i i i, I like him and i it, i think he's a great person now i gotta say because obviously and I'm, I'm obviously you're much younger than arnold and you know his but his accent is so much i mean even to this day is is a lot thicker than yours. What is it about? I mean, is it just because of where he grew up, and or what, what kind of? Why yes. is it? Because Arnold, like I said, even at seventy, what seventy five or however old he is, I mean, he's still got a thick accent after all these years. Absolutely, and he grew up. So I grew up in Graz, which is a city, okay. and he grew up twenty minutes away, which is a little more countryside, and there is very very heavy German accents as soon as you leave the city. So he is already starting out with a heavy German accent and then trying to to, to do the American English. So this is how it happens. What's your favorite Arnold movie? Um, I, I don't have a favorite one. <laughs> So what is it just because I mean is it from it just from because it's an action genre and obviously yeah I'm, I'm guessing you're probably more of the romantic uh, Gilmore Girls type is it just his movies never never fit for you or just uh, yeah you know. I don't like him for the movies I think oh really yeah I like him for his personality okay all right fair enough and what he achieved and that he he went through all that absolutely and. There is a story that when he was exercising, you know, to get all the muscles that he has today, he would walk from this place. You can still um, visit his house where he grew up and he would walk and kind of drag and carry stuff to the city where I grew up. And I'm just sometimes imagining this, you know, and he was so he's so driven. This is what amazes me. Thank you so much for that. Dr. Veronica Wright, and just a programming update. Uh, she did let me know after the fact that while she said in the podcast she did not like any of Arnold's movies, she did let me know that she was a fan of the movie Junior. Makes sense. Maybe Twins would be, you know, Twins Junior, one of the more, uh, obviously, as we know, PG-style movies for Arnold. Maybe a jingle all the way thrown in just for good measure. Obviously, with me, it starts and ends with Commando, Predator. You guys know the drill. And then, of course, uh, I'll throw a, a, another in there that maybe uh, is lower on the uh, Arnold uh, uh, scale. End of Days. Can't go wrong with End of Days. As always, you can catch all of the Power Connect podcasts over at... Apple, Spotify, on the website, connect with us on LinkedIn, Fred Davis, and The Power Connect. Great episodes coming up here very, very soon. Next week, episode Big 4-0, we're going to have Mr. Robert Jensen, former UT professor. He's co-author of the book, An Inconvenient Apocalypse, an absolutely fantastic book, fantastic story. You hear the name, you hear the book title, and you think to yourself, oh, wow, let me tune into that as, as you know, it's going to be all doom and gloom. It's not all doom, it's not all gloom, and if I told you it was a story of love, 
Would you believe me? Yes, it is. Stick around next week. You will be glad you did, and you'll understand why after you hear it. We've also got Mr. Devin Paris from Solar Foundations USA. Great human being with a great story into how he got into the solar game and what he and Solar Foundations are doing right now. And then, of course, we also had to ask him a few sales questions because, let's face it, there's a lot of you out there that are in the sales game. and It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Sales is sales. So we had to get a few thoughts from Devin on that. We've got a lot of great shows coming up. Again, if you want to know more about the show, if you want to join the show, become a podcast partner. LinkedIn, Fred at thepowerconnect.net, Fred at thepowerconnect.net. Let's make a memory. Let's grow your business. Let's have some fun in the process doing it. Want to thank everybody, the guests, the audience, everybody that tunes in. Without you doing what you do, we couldn't do what we do. This has been the Power Connect Podcast, connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time. Wake up, all the builders, time to build a new land. I know we could do it if we're all in.